So hello everybody and welcome to the second live audience webinar of The Integrated Home. My name is Jeff Hayward and today we're talking about how we can broaden the appeal of professional home technology. What will the challenges and opportunities be post COVID-19 and which technologies and approaches will be most attractive to consumers? Helping me through this show is Smart Homey Top Cat and all-round integration Noel from Inspire AV, it's Ben Davis. I'm Ben from Inspire Individual, but I also run the Smart Homey Group. I have a little bit of experience in this industry, just a few years behind me. So we've got three top integrators on board for this discussion, which is great. We've got Andy Bell of Trusted Technology. Uh, we've got Adam Raymond of Prism, and we've got Name Cohen of NGC Systems. Welcome all of you. And before we dive into the topic, um, do you mind all sharing a little bit about your background, your company and the typical profile of your customer? I'm going to start with you, Andy, first from that uh, that lovely furnished office suite you've got there <laughs> up in Nottingham. In my prison. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, we're in Nottingham. Um, we don't really have a typical demographic, if I'm honest. Um, we are not kind of, we will deal with any type of client, if we're absolutely honest. So whether it's installing a TV on a wall, right through to the guy in the 10 million pound sort of pad. So yeah, um, a very, very broad section of, uh, of residential properties. And what about you, uh, Adam? So my background comes from a corporate IT infrastructure before moving full-time into the smart home um, industry. Uh, clients raise uh, very between sort of prime resi and um, large commercial clients, really, but mainly prime resi, I would say. Name, what about you? So we're based in uh, Hampstead in London, and most of our clients, we try to keep a small radius around here to try and serve everyone being being the local person, but we do travel all around London, mainly to high and residential, but we always said we want to make sure we can service everyone so no one is left um, unattended. We can always help no matter, like what Andy said, putting a TV on the wall, something simple, we know we can do it properly, make them happy. That, that's the main thing. Okay, fine. So let me start off with this question. I think, Andy, you came up with this question. What do you think are the benefits of actually working in the mass market? And probably, can I start that on you, Ben? What, what do you think the, the appeal is of going to a, a, a less affluent audience than perhaps integrators are probably used to? It's all down to numbers, isn't it? So the mass market's going to give you um, a broader, I suppose, income. Uh, so if you're going to do things like CCTV installs, it doesn't matter if you're going to be installing two of those cameras or, you know, 200 of those cameras. Um, they've all got a monetary value on the installation and the profit margin on them. So it's 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 going to give you cash flow more than anything, personally, I think. Um, and then bring in uh, the more that you do within the mass market is going to bring you in the bigger clients along the way, or it's going to, it's going to lead to those bigger clients along the way. That's what I think. So you said, Andy, that you deal with all sorts. Are you already dealing with what you might call less affluent customers? We are. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think what we've seen over the years, Jeff, is that all our clients go on their own personal journey. So when we're starting in a, in a property fitting a TV for somebody in a two bed semi, um, Generally, you'll tend to find throughout that customer's life, they're going into bigger properties. And now we're on kind of third, fourth generation uh, properties where it may have been a £500,000 house five years ago is now a £2 million property. So for us, as Ben sort of mentioned, it's, it's the volume game in terms of building your database. And some of those customers, not all, 
will will grow with you as uh, as bigger clients over the years. I know London is completely different, but name Hampstead is renowned for being uh, full of rich, posh Georgian houses. What what's it like? I mean, do you do you get a cross section of customer? We do. We get a, a broad range. So we have um, sort of the, the the large high residential homes across Hampstead, Hampstead Garden Suburb, East Finchley, Highgate, where you know it's a typical high residential. You go in there, you, you give them exactly what they want: a nice, beautiful property, control system, cinema, the lot. You know, they're happy. But also, we we do, you know, we do cameras, we do intercoms, we dabble in alarms, you know, we, we try to, to, to service everyone. Because we know, you know, commonly basically what Andy and, and Ben said, you, people are always on a stepping stone. You might start small, but in the future, they're, they're always likely to, to use you again, should you have done a, a good service. But also the recommendation aspect, just because you're doing a, a small job for someone else, everyone knows, you know, lots of people, people are happy with you and, and it's a recommendation, which is, we find the most important thing. We want to have a, a good name in the industry. And Adam, I, I guess the, if you're dealing with prime rating commercial, it's, it's, it, that's a different customer section to the, to the more sort of middle class kind of two up, two down family property. Yeah, I mean, as those of who follow me on Instagram know that sort of, there's a, a fair chunk of my of my business is security related. So we do quite a bit of of um, of security for not just prime resi but just resi in general. And as Ben has said, it's it helps with cash flow because as the as the small the large projects are amazing, they're very sexy. But um, from a, from a cash flow point of view, you need the small bits and pieces in between. And um, so there's the reward for good work is always more work. Um, so you do need the small bits, uh, you know, to kind of cover off. And as, as Andy said, it, it grows. It starts with smaller bits and pieces to perhaps test you and see what you're capable of and then move on to something a bit more challenging. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Name, it's just in, in terms of our industry, obviously we're in the pro industry sector at the moment. So how do we appeal to those middle income consumers from the kind of pro side? So I would say it, it, we find it sometimes difficult. We have people coming in, you know, they've, they've seen the buzz online, they've seen the Alexa, they've seen the, the light wave switches and they think, oh great, you know, it's a, you know, it's a nice cheap and cheerful way to get my home smart. But they, they come in to, uh, to see what, what the, the larger projects can do and, and they expect sometimes too much from those systems. So it's, we, find it's, uh, we find it difficult. Yeah, so, definitely. And then we, we take it as, um, we educate them in, in what to expect on, on different price levels. Yeah, is that the same with you, Andy? Yeah, I think with a lot of the, the kind of mass marketers we're calling it on this podcast, I think a lot of the time they've seen the adverts for Nest and and, and kind of Ring, and they've kind of liked the concept of, of what's around, but they don't fully understand how these systems work and put together. And we personally find that by spending a bit of time educating the client on the differences between Ring and A another product more times than not they'll they'll take your advice because ultimately they're, they're, they're kind of employing you as a as a kind of professional to be their kind of expert if you like on on technology for their property so we tend to find yeah we'll start in there going in with the, the, the initial inquiry on nest or a ring but by the time we've talked to the client potentially it's a, a different product that maybe we all know is a little bit more reliable yeah, definitely. Do you use those, Adam, do you use those products like Nest and, I don't know, Google Home and Alexa as a way to kind of, I suppose, introduce them to the world of pro AV and pro installations? Yeah, sometimes because, 
you know, as a couple of you already said, with some of the pro products out there, they're simply not aware of what can be done from a point of view of integration. Um, taking Philip Sway as example, and then taking, you know, um, uh, control for lighting as, as, a, as another example. It's just the amount of integration that's possible um, and, and how it can grow and the value you get out of more integration sort of um, tends to go up the more you integrate. So uh, I, do, I do believe there is, there is a benefit in, you know, allowing people to sort of play with some of, some of the, the products out there available in the mass market to get a flavor of what can be done. So it helps them to think about what they want, particularly when it comes to second generation properties. They might start with um, some of the consumer products available in, in their first, you know, two bed flats and then, and then say to you, right, you know, when we move, this is the kind of thing I'd like to do next. So do you think there is a kind of lead product? I mean, you, the two of you mentioned that you do a, a lot of security uh, product installation stuff. Um, what else are, are those kind of customers interested in? And is it different to the, the premium end customer? Are they more interested in, I don't know, lighting, for example, than AV? Who wants to go first? I can go first. But I mean, um, for me, it would be lighting because the lighting ties up with security. Um, and I think that when it comes to budgets for renovation, security is always seen as the necessity and that the, the AV is sometimes um, seen as a bit more of a luxury in comparison. So lighting, lighting for my customers is uh, the next best, the next thing to include because of the security aspect of it. Yeah, there's definitely levels to it, isn't there? There's almost like the security element, that's kind of a given in a property. Um, and then you're talking about kind of heating integration and, uh, you know, doorbell integration and, uh, like you say, lighting. I think they're the next, because they all tie into that security element, I think. And whether you're whether the house kind of tells you whether you're in or out of, you know, or out. Um, and then I think you move into that kind of control AV and the fun experience side. And I think the people with bigger budgets and kind of, you know, d deeper pockets, I would say, generally get kind of tied up with the AV side. Whereas I think in that, that, that mass market, think about the security and build upon that. Is that, you think that's the right name? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's, um, that, that makes sense. And that, that's the same thing I would say. Yeah. Do you do you sell those products? Do you, I mean, is that something that is that how you would layer a project, or do you tend to try and deal with the experience side rather than the security side? Um, no, we, we try to give them a better experience. We say we'd um, depend, depending on the sort of project we have, some are more security conscious, um, whereas some are more interested in in sort of um, doing doing it themselves. That they have have their own ring cameras or nest cameras up. They're happy to get the notifications. Yeah, and and you know be proactive that way. Whereas you have the others who said no, we want a, a proper security system uh, with you know externally monitors. Yeah, so definitely. They're, they're giving they not giving up the control, but they're happy to have someone else looking at their cameras, but for their better sense of security. Is it Andy? Is it something that if if a client's got a product like a Nest or a I don't know a, a, an Alexa or something like that, do you get on your high horse from your pro AV side and do you start saying you know this needs to be pulled out? We need to be putting professional products in here. Well, from my experience, I think if you did that, you'd be out the door. So yeah. I think uh, <laughs> I, I think yeah, I think you kind of got to. It was a loaded question, mate. Yeah, 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 no, I got that. <laughs> I think you've got to kind of play the game a little bit with the clients. I mean, ultimately. 
yeah, we all know the limitations of those products. And I think in a non-condescending way to the client, we need to get those points across to the client to let them know where the pitfalls are with the product. So as an example, we've had a particular issue with um, a client had some wireless cameras and they got broken into. Um, and basically there was no footage on the system. And it turns out that the intruders had used a, just a basic Wi-Fi jammer and they'd, ba they'd use that Wi-Fi jammer to disable the, uh, the Nest cameras because they're on wireless. Um, and that was a really interesting, because uh, I mean, I'd, I'd never thought of doing that, um, even though I'm in a prison cell, Jeff. But um, <laughs> the, um, it was quite an interesting conversation because it's, it's a genuine um, case study that we can use to clients to, to kind of educate them on the, on the benefits of a wired CCTV system. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really important. Is is it something that you that you do you market to the to the kind of middle of the road or the, the mass market? So what we've we've done, I mean, and again, I can only speak for ourselves. Is we we have we are approved with Nest and and, and Ring on their on their kind of um, approved installer database, and it does generate between three and four leads a week. So it's 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 nice lead generation. Um, and then obviously when we go to the guys, sometimes we will install the client's own product because they've got that product and they just want to install in. Sometimes it may lead to an upsell opportunity to be able to push in a um, maybe a, a more professional control system in there. But yeah, it's a good lead generation because the likes of Google and, and, and kind of Nest and, and Amazon, their marketing budgets are never, ever going to be comparable to any of our five guys on this podcast. So I think if we can piggyback off the back of their marketing budget um i think it's good lead generation does that work for you too name yeah it, it's one of those things where you know we have clients they like i said before they, they see these adverts and to be fair ring and nest they are they're amazing they work well if you have a small camera a couple hundred quid someone walks up your driveway you get a notification fantastic that, that's what it says but we tell clients and it's uh sort of maybe a, a nice thing to tell them is it's great, but unfortunately your house is too big for this to work in. So it's a case of let's put a professional security system in. It might not give you the alerts um, as, as reliable as Nest and Ring and so on, but in the event where you would need to see the footage, you're pretty much guaranteed to have high quality footage recorded, which you can obtain easily and do something with. It's a good point that you made their name about monitoring. I don't think the monitoring stations will, will accept a Ring or Nest camera as a, as a kind of monitored solution mm. so is is there a is there a, a market there then for, for moving into a do it for me rather than a do it you know do it yourself and you know I, i'll put that to you adam because i think you know it, it, especially in the security side of things if someone was going to come and say I've, I've bought this package online do you think there's a market there that you could be kind of focusing down into where you can just install those products and kind of not wash your hands from them, but you can kind of walk away from the project and say, you know, you bought it, I installed it, but it's down to you to kind of look after it. I think you have to tread carefully um, because we've got, there, there, there will be products out there which have reputations for being performant in certain scenarios, but not others. And um, talking about Andy's example, I've, I've had a client who's had exactly that happen to them with their Teslas. Uh, so, um, when when they have suggested that uh, products like you know nest cams or ring uh, ring cams etc yes that is possible but you just need to be aware of what the, the possibilities are out there in terms of disabling that product and compared to a wired product so 
Um, but I think specifically with Intruder, there's a certain aspect of monitoring, there's a certain aspect of maintenance, and there's regulation around that. So you have to tread very carefully in terms of the do it for me in those scenarios, perhaps more than you do with CCTV, because CCTV is a little bit more unregulated. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And you, you all talked about lighting control being a, a bit of a door opener too. Just just explain for me how you how you sell the concept of lighting control as opposed to hard switches on a wall. Um, yeah, I mean, lighting control means quite a lot, doesn't it? I mean, in terms of lighting control for security, I think it's it's a really good um, integration. Um, in terms of cameras are triggered, certain lights can come on within the property, and with a professional control system, you can do that. Um, in terms of lighting control, I mean, light switches aren't light switches anymore, are they? So a traditional lighting system is a on-off or, or rotary dim. Um, with a with a kind of professional integration system, we can get the lights, which is doing a lot more. We can have it kind of opening the gates. We can have it um, turning the TV on, putting the Skybox on Sky Sport. So I just think a lot of the clients don't know that these light switches can do these, these kind of things. And again, it comes back to that education piece. And... For me, it's getting inside a client's property to be able to explain to, to someone, again, in a non-condescending way, what can be achieved with, with the right products. Yeah, definitely. I think with lighting, it's all about experience-led sales. So it's it's telling them that, and I, I don't think we have to do a lot of the work there. When you, can, you go back to when you were talking about Nest and all those big marketing companies shouting about this can do, you know, this can look after your heating and all the rest of it. I think lighting's got a little bit of that from Philips Hue. You know, people, especially the younger generation, are wanting to have these beautifully lit homes and have these experiences putting in they'll put something like that in or they'll put a, you know, your cheap off Amazon and they only get maybe 20% of that experience. And where I think where we miss a trick is explain to them that we can give them all the experience, but it just needs a slightly more pro level product to be put in there. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's a, the lighting's always been a key one for us. I think with lighting as well, and I'd, I'd be interested to see what name and, uh, and Adam maybe think about this, but lighting's a great one for the, I suppose, sometimes the decision maker in the house, we'll call them, uh, when you've got a couple and you've got a married couple and the man wants the cinema and da-da-da and the wife will want the lighting control you know, and they want the lighting scenes and that's very decorative and it's very aesthetic. Is that something that you find, Name? With the lighting, what we say is, the number one question is, you know, we ask them, how, how great would it be to switch off all your lights with one button? Usually the answer is yes. And then we tell them well, that's great because everything else is then a bonus. So you make all the switches smart and say, you know, you can switch on your TV with it, you can do dimming and so on and all this, which is, which is fantastic. But the, the fact that you can have one button to switch off the whole house or switch off all the TVs, all the AC, all the heating, vacation modes, that, that's the top seller for us. People, people are very happy with that. The aesthetic is as much about the lighting, what that can do for your room as it is for what's going to be on the wall. Definitely, definitely. That's right. If you put in front of an interior designer a six-gang switch or a six-gang dimmer plate and you show them a nice switch, I won't mention any names. I'll keep it brand generic. C control switch. They're always going to go for the control switch. 
you know, especially if you have them engraved and you've got scene setting on there, you know, again, it's all about experience. And when you're selling to, you know, like a, I suppose a, a couple or a, a married couple that there's there's a good divide there that they know they know that they're going to get the aesthetic and they're going to get the kind of smart control cool stuff they're going to get the James Bond but it's going to come with that you know a slick aesthetic at the end of it and it wins a lot of hearts when you're going to go in and I think that's why lighting then bounce bounces onto the other parts because they kind of understand that you're selling you know, a great product that looks great and that you'll be able to do the same thing for the audio, the cinema and everything else. What about you, Adam? Does lighting play a big part in what you offer? Yeah, it avoids, you know, you've got an opportunity there to, to avoid the whole wall acne scenario, really, which we, most of us have heard that, that phrase before, haven't we? Um, so, and no one really wants to have um, a wall littered with, with with switches plus the heating controller thermostat plus something else plus a touch screen um and you know you, you get to a point with with loads of grid dimmer switches where you never really remember which which six are the ones that you do and i've got plenty of plenty of customers who have that in there who've had that from previous from when i met them where they still walk into rooms and they they turn on all the lights and they, they still can't remember which one's which so there's um it's, it's just about making aware about what's out there, what's possible, what can be done. Um, a lot of what can be done from the control systems is much buried within the software than it is actually visible from, uh, you know, looking at the switch in a brochure. So there's definitely an education point of view. Um, uh, and that's where demonstrations come in, whether that's obviously through a demo, you know, demo room or whether that's through actually bringing some some kit and setting them up in, in their kitchen just to show them what's possible one one thing that sort of also strikes me with this area of the market is is it all about price i mean can you actually sell that kind of elevated experience or elevated aesthetic to these people or is it all about it's got to be x amount of pounds and that's all i've got ben where'd you start with that it's a difficult one. There's, there, there is products out there that can deliver a, I would say, a percentage of expectation to the client. So there is a light and control system at a budget end, but as long as you manage that expectation with the client, that they understand that they're not going to get the full features of a X product at the top end. And if if they know all the information and they understand what they're not going to get at the end of it, I think it's absolutely fine. Uh, and it's great to sell those products at that. Again, selling those products at that level can generate uh, income and cash flow, and it can be a lot of smaller jobs. It depends on where you want to position yourself in the market. And that's the key question when, whenever you're thinking about price is that you can either say, I'm going to do everything, and I'm going to offer all these different packages. And so we're going to have a bronze, silver and gold lighting control. And we're going to ask the client where they, where they sit in that and manage the expectations along the way. Or we're going to say, do you know what? We're only going to do super high end. And I'm going to focus all my attention on saying, this is the price. I know the, expect I know the expectations at the end of it. They're going to get what they want, no matter what. And you stick to that. And that's your business plan moving forward. But I'd be interested to hear what maybe Name does, because he's he's a Control 4 dealer, am I right, Name? Yeah, so what's is that something, is, is that the only line control system you use, or is there other ones that you use in other ends of the market in budget, I suppose, or price? 
So we do control for lighting and uh, and Lutron. So depending on the, on the project, we use both. I think both are fantastic systems. And um, just echoing what you said uh, earlier, you know, when we talk about clients about trying to educate them on what, what they want and what they need. So for example, we'd sit down and say, okay, you've got garden lighting, maybe three or four circuits. You've got some uh, spotlights in the roof. You've got some security lights. Great, okay, so what, how are you gonna control them? Are they gonna be on a timer and a wall switch? And before you know it, five minutes into the conversation, you're up to four or five different timers under the stairs and, and a six gang wall, wall plate next to the wall. So I said, okay, so you can remember where, where everything is. And the answer, I'm sure we all know, is, is, is no. And things get forgotten and left. I said, how amazing and commenting what I uh, said before about software is if we could set all the lights automatically to switch on and off, it's got an astronomical clock and knows when it gets dark and it's all done automatically for you. You want the security lights on all night? Great, here's one button, they're on. We also put a sort of panic button on the keypad by the door, just saying um, oh, panic, and it just switches on all the outside lights in the house. So if you get home and you know you're scared, you're worried, or, or you just want to show that there's a lot going on in the house, you push a button and the whole the whole house brightens up and it gives you that sense of security that there's a lot of light and you know hopefully something less likely something's going to happen to you. But yeah, both control for Lutron, but uh, different ends of the market, but both very good and flexible systems. We're happy with both, and yeah, aesthetically, they're different. Um, we can get creative with both, such as wall plates and and hiding them in the wall and so on. But um, fundamentally, they both do the same thing, and and uh, yeah, we we find clients are very happy with them as long as they're educated, as you say, so they know what what they're getting. And sometimes that education is is what gets you the the deal. Definitely, definitely. I always find it's not what they're getting; it's usually what they're not getting is the education. Exactly, yeah. Yes. All actually being the main the main thing. <laughs> how about you, Andy? How do you deal with the uh, the budget conscious client? I think I'm always surprised um, with the the kind of when you get to price, and I think provided you've explained the value element of it and what they're getting, I'm always surprised on what a lot of these mass market audiences, as we're calling them, um, do spend. So. I think provided you can again, give that explanation of what they're getting or as Ben said, what they're not getting more often than not, they, they appreciate the advice and they tend to go with you because they see you as your subject matter expert. And I think the service to them is more important than the actual product. I think it's having somebody there to, to call if there is an issue. is quite, um, it's quite a powerful tool in itself as opposed to just buying something off Amazon um, where there's no recourse if something goes wrong other than sending it back. Yeah. I heard a, a great, um, a great saying from a friend of ours in the industry, so, uh, who, um, who likes to, uh, put the market into two sections and say, he'd rather go for the Audi market than he would for the Ferrari market. They're yeah. both yeah. billion pound markets, yeah. but he'd rather do more of middle of the so it's not really even middle of the road you know say you can't call an audi or a bmw a middle of the road but still a, a quality product but more of them than yeah. trying to find the ferraris of this industry and i think that's very much where we're going with the podcast is is talking about how like you say some of these people that we we're classing as the the mass market are they audi buyers yeah you know i and think they've it's got a, decent budgets i think it's a great point ben in, in terms of um like you say, the Audi, Audi market, it's the cash flow. Like you came on the podcast starting talking about, 
the cash flow on that Audi market is phenomenal in comparison to the Ferrari market because we've all been there when you've invested a lot of time and effort into a project and you get in towards that end of the project where you're waiting for that final payment. I think those Audi installations really do ease that cash flow. So you can run that Ferrari project whilst running maybe 10 to 20 Audi projects alongside each other. I like the way we've just gone to that terminology. That's all we're using now. That's it's it. Audi's yeah. and Ferrari. <laughs> but it, I think it's, it's also interesting that, that you look at these clients as, as not just a one-off project, you know, in and out. It's something that's a long-term relationship. And uh, Peter on the chat's made a good point that if you design the system well, particularly lighting, you're designing it with an upgrade path that means you can go back later and keep working with that same client. Do you do a lot of that, Adam? Yeah, I agree. And as I said before, the reward for good work is more work. So you start sometimes with small bits with lighting that are scalable. And then, I mean, especially when the conversations I have with lighting is some, sometimes it's an education piece where they, where they look at it and they go, well, wow, I've got to do the whole house. And I say, well, actually, no, you don't. Um, you know, you can start with what a lot of people start with, which is just the main open plan family room or perhaps that and the communal areas. Uh, be that the hallways, etc., and then you can expand and scale up with with well, there's there's different. I'm not going to mention it, but different products out there that will that will e easily do that. So, um, and then it comes. It also comes down to their cash flow as well to be able to do that. So they have an aspiration to perhaps get to that nirvana of I want the whole house under one lighting control system. I would like to be able to do everything automatic and and have a master on off switch, but uh, respecting their sort of uh, aspirations of when they're going to get there too and it's about doing a you know good job i think particularly with some of the uh, products out there that are available you know through the the, the ret retailers or, you know street retailers the the price is the price and the price is known so that even more so they're buying into the service mm. No, I agree. I think you hit on something there, which I see a lot of in the market and installation companies that do the majority of their marketing around the full smart home. And actually, if they concentrated on just single entities, kitchens, lounges, and work their marketing around that, they'd find that they get more of that mass market towards them, towards their social media, towards just uh, website inquiries, because they're not scared off. They're not thinking, oh, this installation company will only touch us if they're going to do a full smart home. And actually, they're, they'll quite happily do an installation that's just a kitchen lighting or just a kitchen audio system. And so you, you become more relatable as a business to that, that kind of that Audi market. It's there. We're using it now. We're with the Audi and we're with the Ferrari. We're just going to go with it. But um, is, that what you, is that kind of what you see, Name? Is that, do you market for the full thing, for the full home all the time? Or do you kind of try and split your social media marketing into individual rooms and you know cinema rooms, lounges, kitchens? So, so we do um, sort of a bit of everything. The tad off topic, when I, when I started, my, my main thing, what I wanted to do was ensure that no one gets sort of ripped off in this industry. We've all seen jobs where we've gone to and you're, you're shocked at what they're left with. You've left, you've left a, a bad taste in their mouth for AVs. You say, I never want a smart home again. But I'm sure we've all come across that a lot. So I've always said, no matter the budget, you want information, give me a call, we'll have a meeting, let me educate you so you know what you're getting into. And sometimes it comes across of, you know, in those in the situations where um, they're just looking for, for a lighting system or an AV system, I say, be, be up front with me. 
what's your budget? What do you have to spend? And I'll be honest with you, I'll tell you what you can get. That way I'll tell them, let's say, say I've got a house, we've got eight grand. Great, yeah, we can do some lighting with uh, some scope for um, some upgrades in the future. As long as it's wired X, Y, Z, we can upgrade in the future and that, that's fine. But um, it's more of a case of just being, being upfront so they know what they're getting. Yeah. I mean, I'll be completely honest. Inspire, we, we do. We, we, have a cut, we have a cut off. And the only reason we have a cut off is because we don't want to have the huge employee base that we used to have of being able to service all those things. We still do small jobs for previous clients, but we just don't take on projects under a certain value. So I thought I'd put my honesty out there. Um, and and it, that's, that's the only reason why we did that was because it's easier to manage the projects that we want to market for. You know, we know exactly who we're looking for. COVID-19, the pandemic, everybody's experienced living at home for a long time. Do you think you're going to be, when we are let out, do you think there are going to be new opportunities out there, new, new technologies you can sell? Yes. I mean, the, the, I mean it definitely, we definitely know that there's going to be a boom in the market. People are going to come out of this and say, you know, why didn't I have multi-room audio put in? Why didn't I have garden audio putting in why didn't i have my cinema installed and it sounds ridiculous even saying those words like why didn't i have my cinema installed but there'll be a client base out there that will be desperate to get this sorted if it if we end up going in lockdown again so i'll see i, I personally believe there's going to be a boom and then once we go back in again depending on how i suppose the financial viability of the country goes is that we might have a bit of a struggle at the end of it um, but I, st I think there's there's definitely money to be made in the middle. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's a case of you know we've all had lots of um, you know quotes we've sent out and not had back on, and people have said, oh, well, I'll get to it in a few months. I'm not ready for this. My Wi-Fi is fine. But now that they've been home, they've got their their family, their kids home, and they've really got time to actually use what they have. You know, we've all you know been been to sites where they said, oh, this is this is a, this is a nice room, and the response has been, I sit in here once a year or something but now they get to actually use it and appreciate what it is. So when it comes to, you know, back to normality in real life, it's a case of, okay, we enjoy this room. Let's, let's maybe think about upgrading further. Well, they've had time to sit on Google and, and look more smart homes or sit on all our Instagram pages and see how nice the, the work is that we all do. So, you know, what? I, I want some more of this. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this just earlier, didn't we, Andy, about um, speaking to your clients. You know, how, have you got that communication um, kind of tie now? Are you still communicating? I know, I know a lot of us as businesses at the moment have, have furloughed staff, but I still think it's super important that if, you've, if you can communicate with your past, you know, um, projects, that there's actually, that you can build up a good presence of work ready to when you can push the button and go again is that the same i mean andy you said beforehand that's something that you're kind of doing yeah i think um like like name said earlier i mean there's a lot of our clients sat at home right now pretty much all of our clients sat at home right now so it's a perfect time to to kind of communicate with those clients um and we we we've been working through the, the last sort of six seven weeks um not at any record levels but we've still had a, a steady workflow there to get complete but like you, we've sent emails out to clients to let them know, look, we're here if you need anything. Um, and it does work. Um, just that just that communication. And people have got a lot more time to be looking around the property, thinking what they need to sort out within their property. And as, as a business, we've designed more cinema rooms in the last two months than we have in the last two years. Because 
people are looking at those rooms that they can remodel, redesign. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, from the cinema aspect. I think a lot of people have had um, tape measures out, yeah. you know, measuring up the, the, the garage, wondering how they're going to knock it through and turn it into a three, four, four-seater cinema, which is great for our game. I think it's, um, it's brilliant. And I think this is where, as, as businesses, as integrators, we want to be hitting the, the, the throttle as hard as possible and getting the marketing out there to show that that's what you specialise in and that's what you do well, because they're, they're, they're actively looking for it. They're actively looking for it. And I think the first thing to do is, I think my, I, I talked about giving away some tips and I'm, I think the first tip is, is literally to go out to your client base and, and tell them what you specialize in, show them what you specialize in. Rather, Instagram's great and social medias are fantastic, but the first thing you want to be doing is sending those pictures and those installs and those um, kind of project plans and everything else to your clients themselves. And for, so they can sit there and go, wow, yeah, actually I have got a space that I can turn into a cinema room and these guys can do it. What do you think, Adam? Do you think networks are going to be a big, a big opportunity? Yeah, I think in addition to some of the things that Ben and Andy have mentioned about, the, uh, you know, having very nice, uh, showing off the kind of things you can do from the point of view of cinemas and outdoor garden speakers, etc. Um, I found that remote support has been even more important to the current client base um, now that as you know than than it has been before, and I think it's probably helped them to recommend that when it comes to word of mouth recommendations um because you know for the obvious reasons we can't get even more so we can't get to sites right so um in order to make sure that is built in and get you understand why they're having that i think that is really the fact that we've got this lockdown has reinforced that for some of my clients and and ben do you think then following on from that do you think you'll be able to sell more um, maintenance contracts do you think uh, to, to that level of customer, the Audi customer? Yeah, 100%. It just needs to be done in a in a managed way. So, you know, when you service a Ferrari, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> you know, when you service an Audi, it still costs a lot of money. I know. But it's not as much. And I think that's the important part here is that, again, you've got to set up the whole back end of that support system. So the engineers have got to support it. The ticketing system, everything that comes with it has to be slick. So it has to be Audi slick, you know. And I think I think there's a huge market there for those service contracts. But not only that, I genuinely think it's the best way to build value within your business. And I do I bang on it about it in the um, in the smart homey group. You know, you're a service led industry, a service led business is not worth nothing if you're not in it. Um, you've, you've really got to grow it to a size where you've got developers and all that kind of jazz in it to make it worth something. Whereas support contracts really support the value of your business. So if you're not doing it, you should be doing it. And if you are doing it, are you increasing the value of that every year? And I think the only way you're going to do it to a great, uh, in a great way is by finding that, that mass market. Um, you look at people like CCTV companies and alarm companies and they get bought out by some of the big 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 guys out there because they've got six seven hundred you know contracts uh, and then they become a they become a like a worthwhile entity to get picked off and i love this industry um i don't see me um installing cinemas at 65 like gif um but i mean he's, he's only just turned 65 but um <laughs> uh yeah 
I want to be able to retire at some point. And the only way we can all do that is if we add value to our businesses and, and, and service and support contracts is the way to do it. Adam, I'm sure you already provide lots of service and support contracts, do you? For the security world, yes, definitely. Um, there's, there's a certain amount of regulation behind it and there's obviously a certain amount of um, where, where the client's insurance actually requires that to be in place. Um, with the AV side, I think I found that I have to gauge where the, cl the client, one way or another, makes it apparent how they would like to play that. So there, I have some clients who are happy to engage in service contracts because they want to know that they've got you there. Others are very different where they're not interested in that and they'd much rather just call you on a, on a time materials basis um, when they, if, if and when they need to. So... It's it's not. I don't feel it's as clear cut when it comes to a service contract with just purely AV kit. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, we it took us years to get to a position where we could. Um, we we I think we've I've said this before. We offered bronze, silver, gold service packages, and in the end, we we binned it off. And now you're either in or you're out. And there's a contract for both of them, and they have to sign it. Uh, and it knows exactly where the customer stands, and it's exactly where you stand as an integrator. And I think it sounds like sort of that's the line that you're going down at the moment. Um, but yeah, um, Nate, do you have do you have a service and support kind of contract for your clients? Yeah, so we've got a, a few options. We have some, some of the clients said, oh, yeah, we're happy, we'll, we'll call you when we need you, which is fine. Um, and then we have a, a, a do have a bronze, silver and gold option. Um, I had one client recently took up um, one plan and, you know, we're going, we're going through it. And he said, I'm not going to read this. This is, you know, just tell me whatever I pay you, that whatever issue I have, you'll come. I don't care if you come to the house once a year or 10 times a year, if you, don't, if you log in, whatever you do, this is this is the money and just make sure my house is is uh you know is working if something breaks i want it replaced so it's a fine so that that works you know for some clients or as the others we um uh, touch your networks we always say let, let's have a, a router in there a managed network so when there's an issue we can just remote in and do it it benefits us we don't need to to come out to you it benefits you you don't need to let us in and we can aim to fix it quickly and, uh, and remotely and then some some of the self-healing aspects of it help too so let's say, let's say rebooting your skyboxes and things like that so we anticipate issues and and uh sort of like fix them to fix them before before the issue arises andy do you see it as part of your business model to kind of grow that service and support yeah we've been doing it for four years now so um imaginatively uh titled trust pack so I think um, ultimately that residual income is the value of your business. Simple as that. I mean, we're, we've not got a great amount. I think we're just over 100 contracts now, but we certainly want to grow that part of the business. And not just the Ferrari drivers do take that contract. There's a lot of the Adi customers that do take that maintenance contract, just like they do the British gas contract for the boiler. It's a very, very similar principle. So... Our target as a business, um, I say being completely transparent, is to have those maintenance contracts to, to, to basically cover the overheads of the business. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the target internally. Yeah, that's the, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. Now, Ben, you talked a lot about social media as a way to get your message out there and your brand out there to, to as many customers as you can possibly appeal to. Um, I just wonder um, if you're demonstrating the experience kind of the business, name you've got a showroom, and it, I understand that's working really well for you. And Andy, you're building one, so you must see a value in, in showrooms. 
what, what do you what do you see as the role of the showroom in appealing to to customers in that in that mid uh, upper mid market? It's a it's a location, isn't it? And uh, you know when you go and buy a car, and we'll go back to this analogy. And we'll keep coming back to it. Is that you you want a location to go to to feel it and and touch it? And it's very difficult to buy off book. You know, there's not many people that go onto a website, look at your, you know build their Audi on there and then just click buy. They all go and drive it. They all go and feel it. They all go and experience it. And again, it all comes down to experience. They want to sit in it and they want to, they want to feel that, that, that luxury and that, that wealth. And they want to feel like they want to feel like they earned it. And I feel that that's where a showroom really comes into its own. Now, I also think there's a secondary level to a showroom, which, which is really interesting is that it provides constant social media content is that when you're working on projects where like we do where it's really sensitive and the client won't let you do any social media you've always got a showroom where you can be doing something you can be taking something apart you can be installing something new it, it provides you with that constant content and that's the only way that you get your marketing and your brand um i suppose out there all the time you know everyone's sick of seeing my face uh, which is absolutely fine, you know, but we get consumers through it and we get we get clients at the end of it. So it, it works. And I think that's the other side of the showroom. You know, what I would hope to be seeing from Andy, Mr. Andy Bell's trusted technology Instagram is detailed every day Instagram posts of, you know, this is what we're doing in the showroom. This is what's going to be here. You know, build that story. And I think it's, it's, it, it adds a secondary level to the wealth of, of having a showroom. Go on, Andy. Tell us about your uh, your life project, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, in two years when you're I, done. I used to have here, mate, when I started it. So I'm going to be like Ben when it's finished. <laughs> oh, so, cheers, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we bought. Yeah, we're like boring everybody. We bought a substation three years ago, and we thought it'd be quite an easy process to get planning permission to get A1. Um, that took about 18 months. Um, but yeah, we we're well underway. We built. We've extended it. We've started to kit it out now. We're trying to get it finished for autumn this year, which feels really strange because it's almost alien at the minute spending money on kit when there's a pandemic out there. But I think we're kind of too far in to turn back. And like Ben said, um, again, to use a, a kind of car analogy, I, I would never expect any of our clients to buy a Ferrari without taking it for a test drive. And that's exactly what, what the showroom wants to be. But not only that, doing more CPDs, I think getting architects into the building, the building becomes a destination and it becomes a little bit of the hub for architects and interior designers. And yeah, it's a massive investment. I mean, yeah, I think we're, I dread to think what we're up to, but we're well over half a million pound in and we've probably got a similar amount of money to go. So it's quite scary and it keeps me up at night, but I think long-term it's the right thing to do. I think I've just vomited in my mouth. Exactly. Yeah, that's what my missus thinks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you got any uh, managerial positions that you need to cover? I mean, I'm a lot cheaper than £500,000. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. You need to be good at spinning plates here, mate. <laughs> hey, I'm not bad at that. <laughs> what about you, name? Because your showroom's been up and running, what, for a year or so now? Uh, yeah, around a year since it's uh, officially finished. We find it... Um, is going back to the education aspect. We bring people in and we educate them on AV. We show them how things work. We show them what 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 the, what exactly what they're going to get. It's not where you know you see, 
back to the car analogies like you see this car when you get yours delivered oh the trim's a bit different oh it doesn't ride as nice oh it's a different sports back we we give them exactly what they're going to have there's no surprises at all we educate them how things are going to work what you can do the sort of funky programming that that you that you may like and some clients you know we tell them okay you know you, you've come in once we understand what you want we're going to reprogram the showroom just based on, on what you want to shut under so you can understand how the lighting is going to work how your button configuration is we do a lot of um sort of hidden hidden double and triple tap for music because lots of clients have kids and they don't want them to know you know this button does music but we still want to give them the controls and then we also have tvs popping out of beds and walls and so on not necessarily everyone wants them, but it's a case to understand what is possible and they'll take that idea or their architect or the designer and say, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Can it do this? Can it come up here or there? And it's a sort of self-learning platform. They can see it and then they'll start Googling and going around and seeing what they can do. For example, you know, a touch of a button, my showroom will glow red. No client's ever going to want that in the whole house. But it's an idea of of what what can be done well it's all about creating conversational pieces that's what exactly. showrooms are about you want to be when you create a showroom like we are trying to do at the moment is that you want to sit down and write a storyboard of a collection of conversational pieces so that you know if you have an architect or an interior designer depending on the client that comes in you can you know you can pick something within there that's gonna gonna hit their their g-spot they're gonna go wow this, this is this is cool like this is me you know interior designers you go with invisible speakers if you go with architects you'll find something that you know like everyone has their own little thing so you'll have the female clients you'll have the male clients and they all have something and it's about creating those conversational pieces and having them in your back pocket to know that you can do it i go i see too many showrooms and too many um spaces where it's the same thing it's like you know eat sleep rave repeat it's the same um, it's the same layout and I think you've got to try and change it up a little bit and be different and be bold and and really think outside the box and that's what will make your showroom just stand out. So I heard this story from the US where there was a, a new uh, housing development had opened and an integrator went out, bought 50 Alexas, got them delivered to each of the houses with a business card and said if you want more than this you know, welcome to your new home, but if you want more than this, give me a call, which he did, didn't have a showroom. And I just wondered, does, does that sort of marketing concept ever, ever cross your mind, Adam? It's, it's very mass marketing. Uh, you know, yeah. that is that is looking at going for the market, that middle of the road market. But I think it's clever. If you don't have a showroom, you've got to look at, <laughs> you've got to look at ways of getting your name and your brand to those clients. I think Adam's probably a good one to go to for that. So I'm the only one on the panel here that doesn't have a showroom or isn't building one. Um, and I have agreements with some of my clients where by strict invitation, we can, we can invite um, a couple of people a year in to see uh, while well, they're there to see the property and just basically see the main, the main communal area downstairs, the rack and the wiring center. Um, and so they get an overall experience of how someone else would use the product. That, that, that are in there and then it, it sort of helps them to engage and ask questions like okay i could do so if i want to do this i could do that or how would i about that do, do x y and z if i want to do that in my home um 
do you think do you think maybe uh, integrators could look at partnerships with I don't know kitchen retailers, bathroom retailers who who also get footfall on the high street? Does that work, or is that something you've explored and thought, nah, not doing that? Uh, I don't know. It's a, such a dangerous one. We've had more bad experiences than good experiences. It seems like a great idea, but what you've got to remember is you either have to put someone in that showroom to sell or you've got, you've got to train them to sell your products. And what we find is, and you've got to look at it from a business point of view. You know, if you're a kitchen company, you know, why are you going to sell that product? Either you've got to make a margin on it, you've got to make, a, you've got to make money on it, or, or um, you've got to have a, an investment into the company. So for us, what we found before, and we've tried it, is that usually the company, the kitchen company, is so focused on selling a kitchen, is that your system in there provides extra gloss, as I like to call it, makes it sexier, makes it look cooler. And yes, you may get a few bits and pieces from it, but you'll never get the full sale that you would do. But that's just me. I don't know if anyone else, Andy, have you tried? Yeah, so we, uh, about three years ago, we, um, we put an EA1 and an SR260 Control 4 system into five local Richard Sound stores. Um, and basically the agreement with those stores was to do a profit share. Um, and the footfall that those shops get is absolutely phenomenal. There must be, there must be a thousand guys go through those doors each day. Um, and it's probably the primary reason that we won, we've got, got diamond dealer status last year with control four, because the amount of volume that we had with the control four inquiries through those five richer sound stores was just, was just immense. That's fascinating because that's different. So that's someone that can sell your product and yeah. They also yeah. have got a reason to sell your product. It's a target audience as yeah. well, isn't it? Because the guy's going in there for a cinema or a TV and um, rather than selling a Harmony remote control, the shop's actually getting more commission selling an SR260 in an EA1. Yeah, I can see 60 people on here now just finding, like, emailing their local Richard Sounds. Yeah, please don't contact Nottingham and Leicester. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Is, is that something, have you tried kitchen showrooms in the past or? So what I've done with my showroom is I, I tended to use um, sort of local businesses to help. So um, people I've met on, on other uh, jobs near here. So for example, I had, a, I had the guy who did my flooring, lovely guy, lovely company. And he recommended us to, uh, to a project which has been absolutely phenomenal to us. And it's a case of, if if someone's selling a high-end product they're likely to have more high-end finishings in the house so it, it sometimes it works for example the what i was thinking is if someone's going to buy a kitchen you know you could put a mirror tv in there and invisible speakers the whole lot but of those people how many actually care about that probably a, probably a small percentage i think that the other thing is there is it sounds like you've created a network of wealth you know yeah and that's the that's 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 probably a little bit different than just putting a product in a in a kitchen showroom. Is that it works for that person knowing you as much as it does for you and the other way around. And I think that's a slightly different thing to maybe just putting some kit in and expecting them to sell it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's um, it, it all depends on what, what the person wants. If they're interested in it, then they would you know you'd you'd, you'd hope they'd say, oh, where's that from, and then sell. The lead yourself generate they've come to you from seeing that the, the the company shouldn't have to push you they should see it and think it's nice so for example the showroom they see the lights or the sofas or, or the floor i have or the bar they say oh where's that from and i, I just passed out the details so the same way 
I'm I'm not pushing them. It's if someone asks, I'm happy to to give. Just like a normal referral you might get from from visiting a friend's house or or, or you know a family house who's happy who's had the, the work done. We just it's it's a self self generating referral. I see uh, Peter on the chats mentioned VR tools being quite useful as well. Have any of you guys used used those to sell cinemas? If you didn't have a demo facility. We, we use them to send to clients to give them a, a, a visual, uh, an idea before, you know, anything starts. Um, and we found that uh, it's a super duper useful tool. It really is. It's, it, it gets people giddy. It gets people G'd up to, to, to kind of, I mean, it, what I would say, it's one of those things that it's a, it's a really, really powerful sales tool. You know, if you've got, if you haven't got a showroom, then it's, it's amazing. If you've got a showroom, it's still powerful, especially if you can create a render that's going to get them over the line, you know, and you're talking, especially with cinemas, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 pounds. What's, what's a tiny, tiny percentage of that on getting a render done to get it over the line. And I think for us, it's worked. It's definitely worked. Uh, when you see your customers for smart homes, what's the best stuff to take with you for them to see? And do you take a folder with document with a document of options or demo equipment? How how do you go about doing that that sale in their house? I was probably one of the sad guys that bought one of those Control Four flight cases <laughs> a couple of years ago. So I've I've got one of those actually. Um, it takes quite a little bit of time to get out and set up, but yeah, it works. It works. And as Ben said, I've also got a headset, Oculus headset, which is pretty cool to show. Um, people some options on cinema design but for the smart home it's a control four flight case so what about you adam what do you take to impress people i've got my own my own case not control four case but i've got my own case of bits that i've made up um with a with a fly lead that you plug in and then from there you can demo some kit that's actually in the case uh but it tends to be some lighting some remote control some touch screens um just to and, and just to show the kind of experience that they get through those devices no do you get people through the showroom and that's it or do you go and see them and take stuff to show them so before i had the showroom um one of my engineers gave me an idea he said you know if you've got a bit of time you've got a customer who's not not quite sure what they want but you know that the control system is an absolute ideal piece of kit for them make an agreement with them go and install it at your cost let them have it for a week a month you know and then reach out to them and say, you know, are you happy having one remote control instead of six? The answer is usually yes. And I've done that a few times and it's been, it's been phenomenal. People are always happy with it. Some people said, you know what, that's great. Fine, I'll pay for this. Some people said, do my whole house. This is, this is unbelievable. But we also take kit with us. We take lots of, um, I've got cases full of like neutral um, face plates, control for keypads, touch screens and so on. We find like um, sometimes setting up everything, people, they're not really that interested. They, they see it, they play with it for a minute or so, and it's not sort of, sort of worth it to, do, to go to that effort to set up everything if they're just going to play with it for a moment. At that point, I've had the showroom. I say, just, just take the time. You want a Sunday morning, evening, whatever you want, just come here, take the time, give me an hour, and it, it, it's worth your while. So getting them here is, uh, is what we try to do. Okay, brilliant. And then one final question. I'm going to throw this one at you first, Ben. Uh, one key bit of advice to anybody listening who wants to crack the mass market, what would it be? Me personally, network, 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 bit more networking and a tiny bit more networking. 
and then maybe go and see some architects and some interior designers you know um yeah the, the, the mass market may be slightly different to that um you know there's there's definitely a social media touch to it that you want to be getting involved in but you know create a create a database of people around you that are going to give you a sales funnel and that's the that's a huge thing with the with the mass market is that if you want to be an audi you need to have a lot of inlets to sell those products what about you adam what would it be from you um it's an all very repeated cliche but it's don't judge a book by its cover do not judge um the client and whether or not they've got an audi or ferrari in their drive or i'm going to say it, i have to say it um the area that they live in um, as to what may or may not come out of that, because my experience has been the ones that appear to be nothing, that tend to be something, end up being something really big, and the ones that you think they're going to be massive end up just being something very little at all. Um, I would say just treat everyone equally. Uh, just commenting further what Adam said is, you never know where it might go. Someone small could be a big job and, and vice versa. Everyone deserves to be treated equally. Everyone deserves the time. And um, everyone deserves to have someone, you know, whatever job they do, just, just do it properly. Just keep them happy and and installed well. I think that's important. It's remembering what you're delivering is a service. It's not the actual product. It's a service, right? Exactly. I'd say put yourself in their shoes. You know, let's say you're going to buy, you know, wallpaper. I assume we don't know much about wallpaper, but you 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 go in there. No matter what your what you're dressed like, what you're wearing, what your income is, just just give us the time of day and and uh, it's just like we would you. And Andy, what would your bit of advice be? Cracking the mass market, personally, I would uh, and probably do myself out of business here, but I would get on Heatmiser, Honeywell's website, Nest website, Google's website, Amazon, get on their approved uh, database, um, and you'll be surprised the amount of leads that you'll get. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a generation of a client. That product might not be necessarily be right for that client, but you've got a generation of a lead, and it's up to you what you do with that lead. I think that's important what you said there as well is that the lead it might be for something that it you know that might be one thing and then in five years time that client could be a twenty thirty thousand pound project which is it's a client it's another client isn't it yeah it's, yeah well, thanks everybody that was brilliant discussion I, th I feel we could talk for more hours and maybe we'll come back to this subject in a year's time and when when, uh, when you're all brilliantly well known over Instagram, you're influencers in the industry and you've got thousands and thousands of mass market customers. I might be out of my prison by then as well, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, that's it. Good behaviour. <laughs> well, hope you all enjoyed the show. Remember, the Integrated Home Podcast is available free, podcast platforms everywhere. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Int Home Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Integrated Home Pod, and LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. Ben, do you want to do a plug for Smart Homies? Yeah, if you're not on the Facebook group, I don't know why. Um, that's it. Uh, meantime, this one's been brought to you by the Smart Homie Group, the Integrated Home Podcast, and is a Wildwood production. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Cheers, Jeff. Thank you. Cheers, mate.